Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for checking out this episode of Social Jello with Angelo. Uh, this is a two-part episode where I interview Dale. Um, Dale, Dale, Dale. Dale's an awesome guy. Let's see if I don't mess up his name because I've already messed up his name a few times. Um, but either way, me and Dale are going to be talking about Plato, Socrates, philosophy, differences between Eastern and Western philosophy. Um, and I kind of go through some ideas of how Zen works with psychology. I talk a little bit about Japan, like I always do. Dale's last name is Dale Bertram. And um, yeah, it was a really great talk. And so I really appreciate it coming out. This is a two-part episode. There was a few sound issues. So I'm really sorry if you're listening to this. And the first half is a little shoddy. Just if you can kind of put up with the first 20 minutes, um, I kind of clean up the sound issues a little after that. But um, I really do hope you enjoy the show. Uh, get some uh, logistics out of the way real quick, real quick. Uh, make this quick. Check me out. Tune in, rate, tune in, tune in, tune in dot com. Uh, F Last FM Radio online, and also Blueberry. These are the three uh, sites that I'm aware of that are actually right now hosting the Social Jello podcast. And of course, you can always listen to my podcast. On the website, www.socialjello.com. This is the easiest way to check it out. It's free to listen, to stream it. You can just stream it right online. You don't even have to download it. Because I don't care if you download it. That's up to you, bro. Or girl. Or dude or dudette. Um, yeah, that's, that's totally up to you how you want to do that. Um, but I do recommend the website because it's the easiest way. Now, if you found it another way, I'm on. of course I'm on iTunes and all that other stuff. But um, however you want to listen to it, you are free to do so. So, this is part one of Social Jello with Angelo, Zen, and Western Philosophy. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. We're live. I say we're live, but actually we're not really live because I'm still going to edit all this material and then release it a little later. Um, for my for my listeners, uh, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. It's not an exact science to be able to to record a video call, and I, I end up with a lot of issues, a lot of sound issues. So um, again, my uh, my apologies to my listeners. Uh, if the sound quality isn't the best, um, as you know, or maybe you not know, if this is your first episode you're going into, um, I am broadcasting from Japan, so most of my uh, most of my interviews are conference based, teleconference based. So I apologize ahead of time for the any sound issues. But uh, either way, so dude, you hit me up. And you said you wanted to talk about, about Buddhism. And um, 
I guess uh, real quick, uh, you know, this is uh, for my listeners out there. Your what's your full name? Is is the is the Facebook name that you're using your your full name or? Yeah, that's uh, my full name. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, is it cool? We just call you. Uh, let me see here. Get your full name right here. Have you under his uh, Dale? Dale. Yes. Bertram? Is that did I did I butcher your last name on that one? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Either way, man. Um. Thanks for, again for having, have, you know, coming out here, or not coming out here, but, you know, taking the conference call. And, um, I guess, you know, the way my show works, it, it's really free, free format. I don't have a, I, I looked up some, uh, I looked up a few things for my notes to have later to talk about my end, but, uh, I guess my first question is, uh, what are your, um, what is your basic idea behind Buddhism? Because you were saying you wanted to talk about Buddhism and you started using words like trans something or other. What, <laughs> would you mind explaining? Yeah, I think Neoplatonist. Is that did I, is that right? Yes, uh, Neoplatonism. It's as per se, you know, assuming myself always to be. It's like pretty much the philosophy of Plotinus, uh, and it is pretty much a movement to uh, revive Platonicism from uh, ancient Greece and uh, Rome. Oh, okay. So you're talking about are you talking about Plato? Yes. Ah. That's the last verse I've ever read. Cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, um, and and like you were saying earlier about um, you know that I uh, I and you said you were saying I was a Buddhist and and I and I kind of clarified that I'm a I'm I'm more of a Zen Buddhist if I was going to try to put it in a nutshell. Um, my background, um, I guess, before we start about me, what got you into Neo Platonicism? That is that is that a word? Did I just make that up? Years, you know, like a lot of other people, I was dealing with a lot of uh, emotional. 
introduction of me to something he was interested in, but I ended up reading Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic Philosopher. After reading Marcus Aurelius, I got to philosophy, and eventually came across Plato and his complete works. And when I read Plato, I was very much impressed and immersed in what made the most uh, sense to me at the time, and still makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, you know, over and over time, I read stuff like Boethius, uh, Augustine, uh, Plutarch, Plotinus, uh, Porphy, I'm not sure if I pronounced this right, name right, uh, and Apollonius, the Thorn with the Golden Ass, and uh, it made a lot of sense because uh, you, know, you have the forms, then you have quantum physics, which seems to somewhat relate a lot to the theory of forms in the matter that uh, you have all these different uh, realities or whatever where uh, or, you know, it's the multiverse uh, theory which I somehow connect to the platonic thinking. Okay. So the multiverse multiverse um, kind of like coming from the idea and again like for me um, I'm learning about as much about this philosophy from you as um, as maybe you're gonna get when I start talking about my background in, in Zen. Um, but uh, what I I you did mention a few things that I've come across in in my own readings. Uh, you mentioned Plutarch, and one of my friends is really into Plutarch, and he's always he was always mentioning him, and. Um, and also, when you were talking about quantum physics and the idea of a multiverse, this is another thing that my other... I had another friend who was really into quantum physics, and he would bring up these conversations as well. Um, but one of the other things you also mentioned, you said you're, you're on the autism spectrum? That's correct. Oh, okay. And that's... Um, is it more autism or more like Asperger's? You know, it's, it's more Asperger's, and, uh, you know, people always talk about the, you know, severity of things, and, but really, I think, when you think about it, uh, everyone has their issues that come from their, you know, disorders, or whatever they're born with, even if they were born completely normal, you know, uh, a lot of people would, uh, somehow want to take away from everyone's you know, experience, but at the same time, you know, those experiences make us who we are. Yeah, they are, they do. That, that's very true. I mean, I, I, I um, even though I, I studied psychology, I, I realized after many years of studying psychology, towards the end when I, when I actually, when I, uh, when I finished my master's program, um, a few years after I finished my master's program, I realized that uh, I actually had issues with social anxiety, which is um, kind of ironic that I call myself, you know, my my username and a lot of the stuff I do, I say I'm social jello, and one of the things I deal with is social anxiety. I, I didn't realize it was social anxiety until I started thinking about how I feel about certain situations and anxiety in general. I deal with issues with anxiety. 
I've had issues with depression from uh, losing people in my life. Um, after my father passed away, I had to deal with some issues of depression and and kind of looking back and reflecting on everything is when I realized that I had, uh, I kind of, I've always had anxiety. I just didn't ever really label it as anxiety, but I definitely had issues with anxiety. So yeah, that, that, it's true. Everyone has their own issues they're dealing with in, in one way or another. talking about how when you're you know when you're working with your with the way your worldview and the way you the way you handle um being on 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 the autism spectrum and when you're doing martial arts um it gives you kind of a different perspective when you're learning different techniques and um you practice a a european martial art and I know you told me the name of it. Can you can you say the name of your martial art one more time? Technically, it's a pan-European, but most of the focus is on uh, the German and Italian styles, which are Abrazari, uh, Kaflingen for the unarmed, for the armed, Kaflingen, and Skirma. So you have a lot of rapier, longsword, dagger, and you pretty much... The easiest way to explain it would be for the unarmed is very similar to Japanese jujitsu. Hmm, that's really cool. If you can, um, later if you can send me some links, and I'll put those in the episode notes so that anybody listening wants to check out the history and the background of these styles, they can check it out on the website. Um, that way they can have a clearer view. <laughs> So, um, and that, and you, um, so looking back and going back to our, to our philosophies, like when you, when you were talking about how you, 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 you follow, um, a lot of the ancient Greek philosophers, people like Plato and Plutarch, I, um, you know, one of the reasons that I still 
don't tell anyone. I mean, I kind of mention it. I'll mention it that my philosophy is Zen Buddhism or things I like about Zen Buddhism. I don't know if you noticed that. I one of the Facebook posts where someone got pretty upset and said I was brainwashed. Because I said one of the great things about Buddhism or Zen Buddhism is that I don't rely on I don't rely on the on whether or not Buddha was a historical figure or the person or if the stories of Buddha if they were actually just one person or several people, that that doesn't exactly, that doesn't exactly, it's not a hinge in the plan, if you will. Like certain religions like Christianity are very dependent on the idea that Christ must have been a real person, must have been the son of God, must have sacrificed himself for everyone. It's really reliant on this. And Christians are always looking for historical evidence that Christ was a real person and walked on the earth. This is really important to them. But in Zen Buddhism, whether or not Buddha was, when we start hearing, because there's a lot of stories of Buddha, and I think what people get confused about, one of the biggest things that people get confused about is the idea that there's, there is more than one Buddha. It's not like, it's not like the story of Christ. Like they're trying to, they're trying to compare it to what their paradigm, their paradigm that they're used to with the, with an, with one son of God type of deal. And, and this is the one person, but Buddhism doesn't really work like that. It's more based on enlightenment. And anybody who achieves enlightenment becomes a Buddha. So yeah, there's several stories of several Buddhas. And if you look into the history of Buddhism, it originates in India. And that's where the first story of the first Buddha started. But whether or not it, that was one person or whether or not they grabbed several stories of several people that found enlightenment to make up the one story of the Buddha, it doesn't really make any, or doesn't alter the effects of the actual philosophies. And Zen Buddhism throws away even more of that. Like, they more or less just look at the stories of the Buddha as just, or of the Buddhas, I should say, plural, um, as, as philosophical stories and lessons that you can learn from the experiences that you read about. And again, from Zen, from a Zen Buddhist standpoint, they're not really focused too much on the history at all, as much as they're more focused on using the actual techniques, just using things like mindfulness, using things like uh, Zanzen or meditation, meditating and focusing on your breathing. Um, and that's something that, that's why I never really tell people I'm a Buddhist per se, I do practice a type of Buddhism. I think one book that really put it together well was Returning to Silence by Danning Katagiri, who was a uh, who was a famous Zen master who actually brought Zen Buddhism to the United States. And he died of cancer in, in the 90s. And he did a lot of writing before he died. And um, he kind of summed it up this way. The way he put it was, Kind of like the uh, kind of like Fight Club. Like the first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. And it was kind of the very similar to that idea that one of the things about being a Zen Buddhist is that you're not an evangelist. You're not trying to convert anyone. I don't care if you become a Zen Buddhist or you don't. That has nothing to do with you because Zen Buddhism is about yourself. And it's about exploring you. And finding out how you work and how you see the world and how to better better cope with 
the challenges that you will face in life. And returning to silence, this book came across to me from a friend of mine who who recommended it after my father passed away. He, he said, you know, you really got to check out this book. Um, it's about, it's about, you know, he didn't even say it was about Buddhism. He said, you know, I heard your dad just died and um, I have a book that I think you might like. So um, if you want to borrow it, and he let me borrow his book. He's like, you know, if, if you don't, he didn't tell me, he's like, this really helped me. My friend had real big issues with depression and he told me, you know, I've always had issues with depression and I know you study psychology and mindfulness. And I already at that point knew about mindfulness and read about it. And, um, and he recommended this book. So at that point in my life, I turned to more of a, what's the word I'm looking for? I turned more into, from a scholarly view, I was intellectualizing Zen Buddhism at that point. But that's actually not how I started getting into Zen Buddhism. When I started looking at it, even now, I, I reflect back on my life and I'm, I'm writing an autobiography and I, I realized that I actually first got into Zen Buddhism at a very, very young age, not realizing I was getting into Zen Buddhism when I started getting into martial arts when I was 12. Um, even before I was 12, I was always interested in martial arts. I always had a... I always had a big respect for for traditional martial arts like uh, like karate, and um, but I wasn't allowed to practice. My parents were 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 pacifists, and uh, well, my mom was a pacifist, is a pacifist, and she always did not let me practice martial arts. She was very against it, so I practiced in secret. Um, I picked up books when I was a teenager and read about martial arts styles, um, starting with, um, the first book I picked up was a Kung Fu book, actually, by David Chow and Richard Sprangler on different styles of Kung Fu, and in there they talked about meditation, in the, in one of the, like, they were talking about really crazy stuff like iron fist technique and iron palm and stuff that, I, at this point, I don't really believe in, but there was meditation techniques in there that I thought were interesting, and I started, I started using them to, at the time, do what I believed was center my chi. Do I believe in chi now? It's a little complicated, but at that time, that's where it started. And it wasn't really something that I, you know, I picked up. I, at that point, I was I was really, I was a Christian. So it wasn't really about religion for me. It was just more about my, my martial arts. And in that journey of always kind of seeking, I was always seeking for a mentor, a martial arts mentor, or a mentor in general. I didn't realize I was doing that, but I was I was inwardly doing that. And eventually I met this guy, um, this Vietnamese guy named Vu Dang, who coincidentally, I just, I was already planning on talking about him because he's part of my journey. And I just received the news last night that he passed away. And it's weird because the idea that he would talk about the universe and how everything was connected, I really didn't, I still don't know. I don't know. I'm very agnostic about these things. But it is a huge coincidence that he passed away yesterday and I was planning on talking about him today because he's the one who got me into 
Zen Buddhism. I told him I was doing martial arts. And he said, man, that's really cool you're doing martial arts. And are you doing any meditating? And I'm like, yeah, yeah I do meditating for before. He, you know, he realized because he'd come out to spar. I, I used to have these open sparring sessions with my friends where people can come from any style, boxing, wrestling. I didn't care. And we'd set some ground rules and we would referee to make sure no one got hurt. And we'd put on, um, we'd wear the proper sparring gear, shin pads and whatnot. And then we'd start going at three minute rounds. Um, but before we did this, we'd all stretch together and I would always practice. Um, I told everyone, okay, this is before, before we start practice, you know, you can do whatever you want, but I'm just going to clear my mind and do some breathing techniques. And I'd meditate for about a minute or two before we'd start the sparring. And I tell people, you know, right now is a good time to just kind of relax. Remember what you're here for. You can, you know, do whatever you'd like. If you want to go have a drink of water, I'm just going to meditate. And I would meditate for two or two or three minutes, uh, maybe five. Very, very, very little bit just to kind of center myself and then start my sparring. And he saw me do that on one of the sparring sessions that um, he, he would let me do this at his house. He had, he had, a, house, he had a really big yard. And he let he he'd let me invite people over for these open sparring sessions at his at his house, and um, after he saw me do that, he said, "You know, would you like to go to a Buddhist temple?" And I've never even thought about going to a Buddhist temple before. And at that point, I was a, I was a, I was much older. I was about I was eighteen nineteen um, by the time I met Vu, and um, I figured that would be cool. It would be cool to kind of go out there. I was still very wary because I just I got out of a, I got out of a, I used to, my parents, my mom in particular was a Jehovah's Witness, which is a very aggressive uh, evangelical type of religion. So um, I just got out of that religion and I wasn't really looking at getting into anything else because I was really turned off by the whole idea of having anyone tell me what to do or how to do it. And um, I ended up going to the Deer Springs Monastery in Escondido. And it just so happened to be he he invited me because he said that this this speaker was was an international uh, international speaker. He was, he was a Buddhist. He is a Buddhist. He's still alive. His name is Titnat Hang. He was once nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. And I, I didn't know. I had no idea how big this guy was. I just kind of I, I just kind of stumbled into it. So happened that he my friend who's Vietnamese invited me. To, to see this guy speak and even when I went I was I was hesitant to um, to go inside I didn't go inside the actual monastery I stayed outside because I felt like going inside would be me joining a religion like I said earlier I wasn't planning I was over that idea and so I stayed outside and I meditated and they had speakers outside so I can hear him speak. And I heard him speak. And um, a lot of the things he talked about, mindfulness, um, he did a, we did a guided meditation where he talked us through breathing and emptying our minds. And after we were done, we went for a, for a hike where he led us on, on a hike around the monastery because there's a lot of trails around the monastery. We just focused on on the flowers and being being in the present he didn't talk about you know he i think he mentioned he mostly talked about his life and being persecuted at the time he had to flee vietnam because of uh persecution they were kind of going after buddhists and he talked about how 
how he survived that and didn't hold any resentment towards anyone for it. So again, it wasn't really, it was, it was different because he never really mentioned, he barely even mentioned Buddha even once, I think, in his whole talk. He was just talking mostly focused on mindfulness and meditation and how he used it to get through a really rough time in his life. And that was my first experience with Buddhism. But even then, after we were done, my friend invited me to his house because he was having some of the some of the monks, some of the female monks were coming over to his house for lunch and his family was hosting them. So I went over and had lunch and they were vegetarian. I had no idea how that worked. So um, I immediately felt that I had a great experience, but there's no way I can be a vegetarian. That, that was the first thing that came up in my head. Like, you know, here's another rule, like to be a Apparently, to be a good Buddhist, you have to be a vegetarian. I'm going to end up being a bad Buddhist because there's no way I can't eat meat. Martial arts, I need I need protein. And I know some people, are, some vegetarians will argue that, you know, you can get you can get it through beans and lentils and stuff. But me, I just, I can't. I can't do that. And so I gave up on the idea that I could be a Buddhist. Um, and I just kind of left it at that. I would go to the monastery, I would practice on meditation, but I just said, oh, there's no way. If anybody asked me back then, I would say, no, I'm not, I'm not a Buddhist, I just visit the temple. And then I met another girl um, a few years later who told me that Buddhism is not about being a vegetarian. I mean, it's great to try your best not to harm any other sentient being, but that Buddhism is more a, a philosophy and if you try your best to live to achieve enlightenment, but it's not like Christianity where you're going to be punished if it's not possible for you. And it's also, there's no rules. Um, and that's what I found out later when I found Zen Buddhism is there's no set rules. Uh, one of the things that the book Returning to Silence said was that in a lot of ways, looking for trying to find and apply mindfulness to your life doesn't exactly mean that you have to be a Buddhist to, to achieve enlightenment. And even the book said, you know, like if you, if you want to find enlightenment, um, you can find enlightenment under the guidance of a Zen master, but you can also find enlightenment on your own as well. It's not a requirement if that makes any sense. Yep. Makes perfect sense. So at the end of all that, the reason when you sent me the email and you asked, you said I was a Buddhist, I still don't say I'm a Buddhist. I don't even say, I, I, I remember reading in another book called You Have to Say Something, also by the same author. Um, and he talked about how, how sometimes intellectualizing Buddhism becomes a, a bigger thing than actually just living, living out Zanzen, living in mindfulness. And what it came down to for me was me practicing Buddhism is irrelevant to what's happening outside of me. I can't control what's outside of me. I can only control me. Um, and that's why I kind of let go of this idea or this concept 
that I am a Buddhist. I'm just a person. Because enlightenment is a state of mind. And even people who achieve enlightenment are not guaranteed to be in nirvana the whole time. Nirvana is a state of being that you can achieve. For people that are listening, what the fuck is he talking about nirvana? Like, is that the band? No. <laughs> Kurt Cobain? No. Um, <laughs> um, I'm mostly talking about the idea that uh, if, if you achieve a really deep state of meditation, um, looking at it from a scientific point of view, you can kind of hit a very deep stage of REM sleep, but still be conscious while this is happening. And this is what scientists have pinpointed nirvana to be, or the state of enlightenment. But even that state can't be sustained for very long. And someone who's enlightened is considered someone who can reach that state. But that doesn't exactly mean that they can be in that state 100% their whole life. It has, that's not exactly how it works. And after I kind of figured that out, I kind of took a step back and realized that, uh, yeah, I do. I, I practice Zen Buddhism, but even the way I practice Zen Buddhism, I don't meditate anymore. I used to meditate very traditionally in the in the uh, lotus position, cross-legged, um, trying to focus on not focusing on the pain because it's really painful to sit in lotus for for thirty minutes. And part of the practice is to breathe your way through it and be comfortable being uncomfortable. But I, I haven't had time to do that. And it's okay, because out of everything I've learned from mindfulness is that mindfulness can be achieved um, without Zanzen, which is which some Zen Buddhists right now listening to this podcast would disagree with me. And that's okay. Because like I said, I'm not as I practice Zen Buddhism philosophy, but I'm not a Zen Buddhist. I don't go to Zen Buddhist temples. Um, I'm very open to the idea of the philosophies of Buddhism. And I do. I go to, since I'm surrounded by Buddhist temples, I, today I'm going to go pray for my friend. Um, but it's not something that is something that I feel like I have to preach to anyone. It has to do more with... Um, for me, it has to do with mindfulness. And coming at it, if for, for those of you, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, coming from a psychology background and, um, and looking at how Zen works in psychology, it's more about just being present in the moments that you're in. One of the things I like to say is the past isn't the past. You can't change the past. And the future, and this actually comes from an article I read in Psychology Today, there always uh, there's a psychologist talking about mindfulness and the future is not set the future and because the future is not set in a lot of ways you can plan for the future but the future doesn't exist yet because we're only always living in the present that's where we are right now so if you want to change anything change occurs now change occurs in the present and if we get stuck being in the state this is where this is where psychological issues come up. If you get stuck thinking about the past on things that you could have, would have, should have done that you didn't, um, and you get stuck being rumination, 
these repetitive thoughts of negative actions that you did in the past, that's what causes depression. Depression is caused by the idea that you can't let go of the past. Anxiety is caused by your worries that those things are going to affect your future. And that's where that's the connection between depression and anxiety. As you become anxious because of your because of past events, you're afraid that future events are going to continue to repeat themselves the way past events have. And the only way you can break that cycle is right now in the present. And a lot of people are just not present with what they're doing. They're not present in with their families. You know, you see this all the time with people hanging out with their families and and they're on uh they're on Facebook the whole time or they're looking at their phone the whole time instead of just, you know, spending some time talking to their daughter or their or their son or or their or their partners. Um and this is something that that anyone can apply at any time that goes a little beyond the idea of whether or not you believe in a Buddha, whether or not you spent time meditating. It's not about that. Mindfulness is about being present in the moment. So that's where I come from as far as how I apply Zen Buddhism. Well, I really appreciate you checking out part one of the Social Jello with Angelo interview with, uh, with Dale. Um, as you heard, he is on the, he talks a little bit about being on the autism spectrum and, uh, and, um, and how he works with his Asperger's and how his philosophies have helped him with that. Um, please check out part two. Uh, I have them both up online right now. They are back to back, so you don't have to wait till next month. And thanks for tuning in to Social Jello with Angelo. I'll catch you all next month. Peace.